0: Good evening, Eucharist Baptist Church. The dedicated and the desperate are here. Um, I so enjoyed uh, listening this morning to Andrew's message, and uh, specifically uh, enjoyed how the two topics this morning and this evening fit together. And uh, I have to tell you that I started working on this months ago, not knowing what Andrew would be preaching about this morning. But you're going to hear more encouragement, hopefully conviction, to do more. Actually, to be more. And you may think that the elders have uh, went on our retreat last week, and we made a list of the messages that we should bring to this church to encourage you and to get you to do more for the church in line with our church growth. It's not so. As I said, that I've worked on this for quite some time, and it's just the next portion in uh, the letter to the Colossians that uh, the Lord, in His sovereignty, decided that we should listen to this evening. I was convicted uh, about some of the things that I think and do and don't do. Uh, before we read, you may want to turn to Colossians chapter one. We're going to look at verse seven and verse eight. Colossians chapter one, verse seven, verse eight. Just imagine for a moment that uh, you go and visit a prominent preacher. You can decide who it is. Maybe it's uh, Body Balcom or uh, John Piper or any one of the great men that you admire and appreciate. And you go there, and uh, he asks you, so how are things going at HBC? So read with me from verse 3, just so we get the context. Colossians chapter 1 from verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. So imagine your favorite man of the faith, right back to HBC and he says, just as you learned it from whoever, our beloved fellow servant, he is faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us, what? What is it that you shared with your favorite man of faith about your Baptist Church? What will he write to us because of what you said to him? We live in uncertain times, that is a fact. Uh, Russia invades Ukraine, we don't know where they're going to stop. Um, Knock on effect is already felt here uh, in our midst with higher prices, We have threats and uncertainty because of our government supporting Russia. (laughs) Unemployment at an all-time high. COVID fifth wave is on its way in April, they say. Reason for hope evades us as we stare down the reality barrel of a loaded gun. Anyone of sound mind must be concerned. In the meantime, family and friends, who moved to greener Australian pastures see their cows and their chickens and their cars drift past in the floods. The world has gone crazy, and you and I live in it. Closer to home, we are challenged with children who rebel, marriages that crumble, even in church life, elders disappoint, members confront one another, people get sick, And the prognosis is frightening. And others who are supposed to go to the doctor because there's clearly something wrong, refuse to go and that causes more problems and stress. So how does God want you to react in these uncertain times? What is it that God wants you to take as a message to your favorite spiritual father? So Paul writes to the church in Colossea during very uncertain times for them. In that time, people were also asking, who is Jesus really? And In our day and age, people are also asking, who is Jesus really? And much of these uncertainties contribute to them asking that question. Oh, if only they would ask that question and really want the answer, right? Problems in the world, in our country, in our homes, and in our church can only be understood in the light of God's grace. God's grace is poured out in our lives through salvation. The good news about Jesus changes people. It changes your perspective on life as a whole. We spoke about that last time we were in this book. Colossians explains who the real Jesus is. Far from being just another religious leader, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Colossians 1 verse 15. The one whom all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Colossians 2 verse 9. As God in human flesh, the word of Jesus is authoritative, absolute, and exclusively true. We find some human examples to follow, don't we? So grateful for some of those men and women who are mentioned by name. I think some when they read that they, they would have hoped not to be there, like some of the ladies that were causing trouble. We find a number of exemplary individuals mentioned by name in Paul's letters. We even find eight letters that carry the names of individuals. Epaphras does not have his own letter. Why is he mentioned? And what do we know about him? And Is he really exemplary? Is there something in Epaphras' life that we can follow, imitate, and then, by doing so, benefit the church of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, let me introduce you to Epaphras. He is called a faithful minister of Christ. And from these verses that we read today, we know that he was a teacher. The church learned from him. He's also called a fellow servant. We're not clear if he's a fellow servant of Paul or a fellow servant of the church. It doesn't really matter because in Paul's case, it's the same thing. But I'm more comfortable with commentators who say that Paul confirms the authority of Epaphras by associating with him as fellow servant of Paul for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ and his church. So what else do we know about him? Well, he planted that church, the Colosseum church, in Colossians 1, verse 5 to 7, we learn that the Colossians heard the gospel from him or through him. He was a native of Colossia. We read that in Colossians 4, verse 12. And he was probably converted to Christ while visiting Ephesus during Paul's stay there. Epaphras then returned to his city and planted the church. That's what Christians do. Go back home. No church. Let's start one. So as we learn about this exemplary man, we must remember that it is all grace. From the start to the end of a Jesus glorifying life. God saves by grace. He carries on through your life and completes his work in you by grace. The best way to live that Jesus glorifying life is by not interfering with God's plan. That's our biggest challenge. Don't change the old, old story. Don't try to jazz it up, but don't water it down either. Let the truth about Jesus flow through you, unhindered, like a channel. God wants you to be the channel of his grace. And we have an example of an effective channel of grace, of God's grace in Epaphras. So we see three activities of an effective channel of God's grace in Epaphras that we can follow, that we can Imitate so that we also can be channels of God's grace. A channel of God's grace, speak the truth. He serves other people, believers specifically, and he spreads joy. Now you may read through those verses and say, where did he get that? I'll show you. We start in typical Baptist tradition with point number one. And this time I I learned to spell properly. You see the three S's, real S's. An effective channel of God's grace speaks the truth. Verse 7, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. If you read the previous verses, you'll see that it speaks about the truth about Jesus. What did the believers in Colossia learn from Epaphras? Back in those verses, verse 5 and 6 of this, you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Dear friends, it is right for us to be concerned that our church is not growing. It is right to be concerned. It is right that we make plans as far as is possible to do things differently, to do more things so that we can work with the Lord Jesus Christ as he builds his church. It is not right for us not to do anything or just to continue along the same path. All truth starts with the gospel. It is the truth about Jesus. Without Jesus, the real Jesus, no other truth matters at all. You can have the most impressive arguments about the scientific evidence of global warming. It's meaningless without the gospel. You may believe every word that you see on CNN or Fox News. You may hold on to the messages convincing you to vax or not to vax. Without the gospel, it is meaningless. You may even read much and apply the advice on parenting your teenager. Without the gospel, it is meaningless. You could even have studied the whole of Grudem's systematic theology or Erickson's Christian theology. If you cannot apply it, and if it is not seen in the fruit of your life, it is meaningless. You need the gospel. Unless you have salvation, your knowledge means nothing. Only what is done for Christ shall last, as C.T. Studd put it so aptly in his poem. The Bible makes it clear that salvation and spiritual growth is only because of God's grace. No one can ever deserve salvation. Only God gives that grace. And no one can ever claim to contribute to someone else's spiritual growth. Only God does that. But God calls Christians to be the channels of that grace of his grace. First Corinthians 15 verse 9 and 10. For I am the least of the apostles, says Paul, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. You may only be a channel of God's grace. Whenever you convert the truth, you pervert the truth. And then the message becomes meaningless. You can, however, be an effective channel of God's grace by speaking the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. In my previous life, before I met Nettie, and before I met the Lord Jesus Christ, that was my previous life, unless you misunderstand my meaning. Um, I did a couple of courses. One of the most meaningful courses that I did was in etiquette. Specifically, uh, what do you do with the knives and forks if you get to a specific place? How do you eat shrimp? What is the proper way of doing this and that? So whenever we go to restaurants and they do it properly, I'm so impressed. The food can be mediocre, I don't care, but if the waiter does the right thing at the right time in the right way, I am super impressed. We had an opportunity not too long ago to go to a place where we experienced that. I, I, was, I was in the second heaven, above the clouds. I just loved it. The food was fantastic, by the way. So, but just to see how they operate. But I thought of that specific occasion when uh, my dish arrived. I'm not going to tell you what it is, um, because I'll start salivating. That is what I'm doing now. <laughs> so my dish arrived, and as I cut into that perfectly cooked no. <laughs> Perfectly cooked uh, piece of meat, and I put it in my mouth. It, it just melted. It, the, the taste was just perfect, and the texture it was cooked to perfection. So I called the chef. I wanted to give the chef a hug, but he claimed COVID and he didn't want the hug. <laughs> but I got a fist bump from him. The food was just perfect. But just imagine if the waiter on the way decided to put more salt or just added a bit of chili. I would not have had that same reaction. It's exactly the same applies to the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ. In fact, it applies to the whole of scripture. We just deliver, we're just a channel. The most blessed thing that we can do with the truth about the Bible is just to let it flow, let it, let it go through, don't, don't let it touch the sides even. So we can't get that right, but we can at least try. We can do our best. We receive the dish, the truth that comes from Jesus Christ through his word. We deliver it as is to others. So what is the truth according to Epaphras? It is also the truth according to Paul. Fellow servants. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 13. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom but taught by the spirit. Interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Beloved fellow servant Example of an effective channel Of God's grace Speaks the truth Do you? Do you do it often? Do you do it at every opportunity that you have? Are you still hiding behind I don't know enough They won't like me I may lose a friend Or a family member But there's more Point number two an effective channel of God's grace serves others. Colossians 1 verse seven. He is a faithful minister, speaking of Epaphras, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. Epaphras, our example of a channel, is selfless. He is a faithful minister, not for himself. He ministers faithfully on your behalf, says Paul to the Colossians. I mean, What a testimony, brothers and sisters. Ministers of the gospel have no other mandate. What we do in ministry may never be for ourselves. Sometimes we falter and in, in action or, or in a thought. There may be selfishness in us doing what we do, but as a rule, this must be true of us. Before you sit back and point a finger of application to the front, listen to this. The ESV calls Epaphras a minister. We may have a bit of a controversy here. So I went back to the original original Greek of these words. You see, the original Greek word is one known to most of you. Is it presbuteros, which means elder? No. Is it erokioros, (laughs) ikiorikas? which means preacher, more or less, there? No. Is it episkopos, which means overseer? No. It's diaconos. Yes, we get the word deacon from there. It literally means a runner of errands, most commonly used of someone who serves food. He's a waiter. So verse 8 Good read, Epaphras is a faithful waiter of Christ on your behalf. He delivers the dishes that Jesus prepares faithfully. He doesn't add chili or pepper and salt. He delivers it faithfully. It would make perfect sense to translate it like that. He delivers the meal exactly as the chef Jesus prepared it. Epaphras is the server of the truth on behalf of and for the benefit of others. How about you? Are you serving whatever you do, wherever you serve? Are you serving, first of all? But when you serve and how you serve and where you serve, are you doing that on behalf of someone else? And here's motivation for you from Acts 20 verse 35 that says, in all things I have shown you that by working hard, this is Paul speaking, and quoted in Acts, by working hard in this way we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Sure, give money, time, effort, push yourself out of your comfort zone, but there are simple ways to serve others as well. By all means go for the big things, but don't neglect the simple things. Just go through the church app, Just make it the principle, once a day, once a week, twice a day if you want to. Or your home group WhatsApp list. And just message someone, anyone. Ask, how can I pray for you? What can I do for you? Or send a message to someone that reads, I read this in the Bible and it encouraged or challenged me. Maybe it will do the same to you. Please let me know. Come to the Sunday worship services, not only to sing lacquer songs, and hear an inspirational message, but also to connect with someone, to serve that person in some way or another. Come to pray and learn and change in order to become a more effective channel of God's grace by serving others. Last point, spread the joy. This one challenged me. And Nettie said, I'm not allowed to say anything negative about myself, but you'll get the drift between the lines. Colossians 1 verse 8. He has made known to us your love in the Spirit. It's easy to spread bad news, isn't it? That's that's our go-to place. It's easy and far too enjoyable to say negative things about someone else. Look what Epaphras makes known your love in the spirit. Isn't that cool? Epaphras could have spoken about those difficult ladies in the church. I guess they were there. He could have spoken about that fundamental man who never stops quarreling, or that contentious couple, or the know-it-all youngster who is making life, let's say, interesting. He could have spoken about that group who never seems to appreciate the effort you are making. But he makes known to Paul, worth mentioning by Paul, that which brings joy to Paul's heart, their love in the Spirit. So let's stay in the context and not stretch the intent of these verses further than necessary. What does that mean? What does your love in the Spirit mean? Well, it's the same Love that Paul thanked God for in Colossians 1, verse 3 and 4. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for those nice saints. New, for all the saints. Paul wrote to the church in Rome that this kind of love causes spiritual growth. Or rather, this Love in the Spirit is evidence of spiritual growth, specifically through difficult times. And we read that in Romans 5 from verse 3. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And much of Paul's suffering and challenges came because of people in the church. This kind of love is not selfish. This kind of love wants the best for the other person. This is agape love. It is active love. Not based on feeling, but based on decision. Not counting the cost. Paul thanks God for the selfless love evident in the Christian's Colossea. Epaphras told Paul about that kind of love. He left out the rest. What would Epaphras tell Paul about you, about us? Are you perhaps so focused on what he or she is doing that will give you reason not to love? Are you so taken up by the things that offend you that you're not getting to a point where you can actively apply your agape love. When uh, I'm picking on Andrew, when Andrew started his uh, same Cafe this week, my mind went back to some of the things that I learned in school about uh, the history. And I know that the history was a little bit skewed, but here's a story that is applicable and that is really touching and, and applicable to our story today. Rachel Kidabir. Who of you have heard about Rachel Kidabir? Good, the Afrikaans guys especially. So here's the story. The winter month of 1843. Rachelki was part of a trek from the Orange Free State to the southeastern Transvaal. During one of their nightly stopovers, the members of the trek realized that a calf called Friki, true story, much beloved by their children, was missing. Search party was formed in which... Rachel and her six-year-old brother also took part. However, during the gathering dusk, Rachel and her brother got separated from the search party and became lost. As the night progressed, it got very cold and started snowing, realizing that their chances of survival were slim. Rachel found an anthill, hollowed it out, or hollowed out by an art She took off her clothes, put put them onto her brother, commanded him to get into the hollow... Hollowed out antil, and she then lay in front of the opening of the antil in order to keep out the cold. Both children were found the next day. Only one survived. That's agape love. It's active love, not based on feeling, but based on decision, not counting the cost. This joy inducing love gives the TV remote to your wife. This agape and joy-inducing love then gets your wife to switch to the sports channel. <laughs> <laughs> this kind of love makes the children offer to do the dishes. It makes the parent to say, don't worry, we've got a dishwasher. It gets the church members to support and work with the church leaders instead of criticizing It urges the elders to not lord it over the church members, but rather encourage them to love and good deeds. It is that kind of love that spreads joy. In telling of the good deeds of the church, instead of the list of bad ones, Epaphras epaphras spreads joy. An effective channel of God's grace spreads joy. Quick conclusion. Speak the truth, serve others, Spread joy. Can we be more like Epaphras? There's another who spoke the truth, who served others, and who spread joy in such a way that what Epaphras did pales into insignificance. His name is Jesus. Without Jesus as your master and savior, the greatest deed becomes meaningless. With Jesus, the smallest task done for his glory out of selfless love, can have everlasting effect. You may remember one of my favorite stories from the Second World War, the commander of the attack on Pearl Harbor, a Japanese pilot called Mitsuo Fuchida. After the war, he he came to faith in Jesus Christ. And he became a very well-known and respected pastor who toured throughout America and brought many to faith. Instrumental in that life-changing event of him coming to faith, was an American girl who sold Japanese copies of the New Testament on the Tokyo train station platform. God caused Fuchida to want to read about Jesus, and he bought a copy. Be a channel of God's grace. Speak the truth. Serve others. And spread joy. Father, as we think about the example that you've given us, not only in Epaphras, although we thank you for him and for the little bit we know about him, but we thank you above all that he just exemplified the character of Jesus, and that these are, although this is a list of things that we can do, but it really is what we should be. So my prayer is, Lord, that as we think about life, as we think about our participation in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we will be encouraged to be more effective channels of God's grace, that we will not be selfish, but that we'll be selfless, that we will not try and manipulate the truth to fit and to suit us, but that we will just speak the truth without, without considering the consequences, that as we serve others, we will not even think about what they can do for us, but only what it means to them. Help us then also, Lord, to be so focused on spreading the joy, the true joy of the Lord Jesus Christ, that many will come to us and ask what the hope in us is and why, why is this church so effective in the way that they work. It is not because of the leaders. It is not because of the music. It is not because of the members and what they do, but it is because of who we represent and how we represent him in his character. We want to represent the Lord Jesus Christ as he is. Help us to do so. Amen.